I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, full of all knowledge, and you're able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified, set apart by the Holy Spirit. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and by deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, have I so strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never Welcome to the Unchanging Word broadcast. Our Bible lesson begins in Romans chapter 15, verse 14, looking at what the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the brethren in the city of Rome right around the year of 57 AD. Well, beginning in verse 14, Dr. Mitchell brings out the three characteristics of these believers in Rome. And then he goes on to show Paul's experience in the ministry of the gospel of Christ to these Gentiles of his day. He wanted to preach the gospel where Christ had not yet been named. Now, do you know of anyone who's never heard of the name of Jesus Christ, who does not know what Jesus has provided for their eternal salvation from sin and present fellowship with him? Well, pray that the Lord will give you an opportunity to share Christ with them. Well, turn with us to Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the book of Romans, and we're coming to the end of this amazing epistle. I am so happy for the number of letters that I have received, speaking of the blessing, of the enlightenment, and of the joy that has come to so many hearts because of this study of the book of Romans. As you well know, the book of Romans is the foundational book of the gospel in the New Testament. It is true in the gospel through John that uh, the gospel is declared. But here in Romans, it has been systematically set forth and we've been dealing here with the practical side of the ministry of the word of God in the lives of those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. 
And we've come all the way down through from chapters 12 through 15, where you have the Apostle Paul speaking of our responsibility and our relationship uh, to the different ones, to God, to his people, to the world, to society, and so on, the weaker brethren. And now we're dealing with the uh, Paul's last testimony and exhortation as found in chapter 15, verses 14 to 33. Now, last lesson we were dealing with the fact that, that the Lord himself is the ground and the center for fellowship, that he's the God of patience. That's because we need endurance. He's the God of all comfort. That's because we need encouragement. And he's the God of hope, which uh, makes us full of joy and peace. And then he's the God of peace, the one who was able to come in in the midst of all confusion and give to us that peace that passeth the understanding of men. And he's the God of all grace, who's guaranteed to perfect his work in his people. And then finally, he was the eternal God. And underneath are the everlasting arms. How wonderful to know that our God, the eternal God, is our refuge and strength that he's the one who has his arms around us and under us, and he's made us the objects of his love and his devotion. No wonder we can trust him. No wonder we love him. And no wonder we want to make manifest to the world this wonderful Savior who can satisfy our hearts. Now we come down to verse 14 of chapter 15. He has just spoken in verse 13 of the God of hope, filling them with all joy and peace in believing, and then he exhorts them to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he goes on in verse 14, and, and he speaks a very, he's, he's, he's manifesting his persuasion of them in their experience when he said, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, full of all knowledge, and you're able also to admonish one another. You know, that makes a wonderful assembly. What an assembly of Christians where you have these three marvelous things, goodness, spiritual perception, and then to be able to admonish one another. You notice in verse 13, they had all joy, they had all peace, and they were abounding in hope. But now he was persuaded of them that they were also full of goodness. And this was the proof of their faith. Now, remember that Paul had not met these Roman Christians. He had just heard of them. You remember in the very first chapter, Paul speaks of the fact that he longed to see them, that he may impart unto them some spiritual gift to the end they might be edified and built up and established. He thanked the Lord for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for all the saints. But he never met them. Now he, he, he says, I'm sure, I'm persuaded of you that you're also not only full of joy and peace, but you're full of goodness. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing when the love of Christ is evident in a Christian by him being good. I'm reminded of that testimony concerning Barnabas in the book of Acts. Remember when we read, for Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. He was a man who was able to bring joy and edification to God's people. And when the Bible says that a man is a good man, believe me, my friend, he's good. 
And Paul was persuaded that these Roman Christians were full of goodness, which I say again was the proof of their faith. And it's folly for you and for me to talk about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ if it is not transforming our lives. And one of the things that will be manifested will be goodness. And I like this kind of testimony concerning this man Barnabas. He was a good man. And then, furthermore, they were filled with knowledge. And this is the thought of spiritual perception. It doesn't mean they were filled with worldly knowledge, but rather they were able to understand and to perceive uh, spiritual realities. It's a wonderful thing, you know, to find Christians who are full of spiritual perception. They're able to discern that which is right, that which was, is in accord with the Word of God, that is which is in accord with the character of God, as well as the love of God and the grace of God. They were good, they were filled with spiritual perception. And then they were able to admonish one another. That is, they were able to guide each other. They were able, in love, to correct fellow believers. Um, it's the question of, of admonishing, of exhorting one another for edification. I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a very, very good preacher. And mentioning him by his first name, I said, you know, I'd like you know what you claim to be. You don't claim to be an evangelist. You do not claim to be a teacher. You do not claim to be a real pastor. What in the world are you? And he said with a kind of a twinkle in his eye, he said, well, you know, he said, I'm an exhorter. I'm an exhorter. And the more I thought of him and the more I thought of his ministry, he had a very good ministry. He was able to exhort, able to admonish, able to give guidance, and able to give correction where needed. And he was a wonderful church at Rome. I say, what an assembly of God's people. They were good people. They had spiritual perception, and they helped each other. They were able to do this. They were full of goodness, full of all knowledge or spiritual perception, and they were able to admonish one another. You know, uh, when you speak about able to admonish one another, it doesn't mean that you know more than the other fellow and you kind of crow about things or you sit in judgment on God's people in their frailty, but no. This is one who is not only being able to, to perceive things spiritually, but has that grace and that tenderness, that understanding, so that they can encourage God's people to go on with God. May the Lord give to us many, many Christian assemblies where the Apostle Paul could say, though you are full of joy and full of peace in believing and you're abounding in hope, may you also be able to say that he, had, he was persuaded that they were full of goodness and spiritual perception and able to admonish, to encourage each other. Sometimes you have to say things that are hard to say, and yet it's for the for the glory of God and for the and for the betterment of his people. As dear old David could say in the Psalms, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That is, a friend who will love you enough to even wound you sometime because it's of the necessity of it. Now he goes on from there and from verse 15, 
uh, down through verse 21, Paul begins to speak of his experience. Now, I'd like to read this to you as we go along. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified, set apart by the Holy Spirit. I have whereof, therefore whereof, I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. Now, what the apostle is talking about here, he was preaching uh, everywhere in the power of God that he might that he might bring the Gentiles who at one time were in idolatry, are far off, dead in saints, without Christ, without hope, without God, that through his ministry of the gospel, these Gentiles might be so transformed and so set apart by the Spirit of God uh, that they would be an offering uh, offered up to God with thanksgiving. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have the opportunity as Paul did, to go unto the Gentiles. Who else would go? You see, well, Peter. No, Peter didn't go to the Gentiles. Peter was an apostle to the Jews. All Peter knew was Jewish culture. And when God wanted a man who could reach the Gentile world, he picked a man who not only was well acquainted with the Jewish culture, but also with Gentile culture. For you remember the apostle Paul came from the city of Tarsus where you have the academies of the Stoic and the Epicurean philosophers. Paul was well-versed in the philosophies of the Greeks, of the Romans, as well as uh, of the Jewish people. And the result, he was a usable vessel. Uh, and knowing that God had said to him that he was going to be sent far to the Gentiles, you have Paul here, uh, so zealous for God in reaching the Gentiles that he might present the Gentiles an acceptable sacrifice to God, being set apart, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And of course, that's true. The Spirit of God set these Gentiles who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and set them apart for God, that God might be glorified through the Gentiles. And that's why he said in verse 17, I have thereof whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ, for those things which pertain to God. Now in verses 18 down to 20, would you notice the, these verses where the Apostle Paul says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and by deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about uh, Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, have I so strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. My, what an evangelical this man was, and what an evangelist full of the passion and tenderness of Christ to reach the Gentile world. And remember that the Gentiles were in idolatry and moral corruption. They had been given up to uncleanness and vile affections and reprobate mind. And it's to this people, 
these idolaters, these people who are corrupt, even down to Corinth, where the Apostle Paul went and ministered the precious word of God. He said, I wouldn't even dare tell you what God has done through me among the Gentiles. What for? That the Gentiles might be obedient to the gospel by word and by deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, right on through to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of God. You remember in Acts chapter 20, uh, in speaking to the Ephesian believers, the Ephesian elders on the short Miletus on his way to Jerusalem, you remember he said, I have, I have not held anything back. I've given everything that I knew of the word of God to you for. I didn't come with a part message. I came with the full, full message of the gospel of Christ. In fact, I have so strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. You know, this gets a hold of my heart. How often, how often, uh, we hear only a part of the gospel. We don't hear the full orb truth that God has given to us. What a need today for men in America, throughout the world, men whose very lives are saturated with the word of God, whose very affections and devotion are centered in the person of Christ, and where their power is not in the things of man, but in the power of the Spirit of God. This is Paul. No wonder when you come to Philippians chapter 1, he could say, I don't care, I may use my own words here, I don't care, said he, whether I live or whether I die. It makes no difference to me as long as Christ is magnified in my body. I count everything but loss, the good things of life, yes, I count everything but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. What for? That men might know the gospel of the grace of God. Oh, that in some way God would raise up in these last days men and women whose very passion would be the person of Christ and whose heart would be so full of tenderness and compassion for lost men and women that they'll not be satisfied until they reach men and women everywhere with the gospel of Christ. Now, this is what you have. And I can understand it in a little wee bit, not so much, but a little wee bit I can, I can begin to feel something of the passion of this man, Paul, when he could say, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yes, so have I strived to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. You know, there's something about this. To go into a place where they've never heard the gospel of Christ. And you go in with the gospel and you make known the gospel of the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. And then you see precious souls saved, taken out of sin, maybe out of idolatry. They've got no doctrines to undo. And you can just come with the precious word of God and these dear people accept the Savior, they fall in love with the Savior, and they, they take the word of God and God just opens it up to them. My, what a wonderful experience it is 
to sit down and tell somebody who's never really heard the gospel of Christ and to see the Spirit of God take the Word and make it to live in their hearts and then to have the joy of building them up, of building them up in Christ Jesus. You know, this is a wonderful thing. When I think of some of the movements today that God has raised up, like the Navigators, for example, these dear men who are out to do one thing, to make disciples. Now, to make disciples, that means you not only bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ, but you follow through and you build them up. You build them up in Christ Jesus. I say it's a wonderful thing. No doctrines to undo. You know, I can appreciate that. In my early ministry, I had that joy of preaching the Word of God on the prairies uh, where nobody else had been with the gospel. And, and they hadn't had a gospel message for some 20, 25, 30 years. And believe me, my friend, it's a wonderful thing to sit down or to stand up before somebody in a schoolhouse and bring to people the precious word of God. And after preaching for an hour, to have them say to you, what are you stopping for? Give us the rest of it. And I've preached at 11, 12 o'clock at night, three and four hours. People hungry for the first time. They've really heard the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. And then to see them accept the Savior and the transformation of their lives, then to build them up in the holy faith. I can understand what Paul means here. He says, I don't want to, I, I want to preach and I don't want to build on another man's foundation. It's a wonderful thing to take people who have never heard the gospel, bring them out into the full orb testimony of the wonderful grace of God in Christ Jesus, and then to build them up in Christ. That's what Paul said the very first chapter of Romans. Uh, I long to see you. What for? I want to build you up. I want to edify you. I want to be blessed by our mutual faith in the Savior that I might have fruit among you as among other Gentiles. This is the great yearning of Paul's heart. And I'll tell you, I, I, can, just, I can just sense this. I just sense the yearning of his heart. Oh, what an evangelist this man was. What a missionary. What a heart for God. And what a heart for men and women. And what a heart for God's people. Oh, God, give us big hearts. Not little squeeny things, but big hearts that will not only take in God's people with all their various isms and take God's people and establish them in the truth and to get a hold of some of these dear, dear people for whom Christ died, for God still loves them and he wants that love to be manifested through you and me so we can reach these people with the word of life that they too might be saved. Now I want to finish chapter 15 in our next lesson and may the Lord wonderfully bless you today He's a wonderful Savior, isn't he? Now you enjoy him today. If you meet some other Christian, you seek to edify them and build them up in Christ. Let us start and make disciples, real followers, people who not only trust the Savior, but are willing to follow him, fall in love with him. The Lord bless you for his name's sake. can cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine true and tender pure and
best to call him mine. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I So freely given, grace of God beyond degree, mercy higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. And our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word broadcast. Life begins at town.